Welcome to Kuhau Podcast. We thank you for tuning in. If this is your first time listening in with us, we want you to know that you are a part of a new loving family. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message encourages you and transforms your life. Now stay tuned for today's message. What about your wallet? You ever lose your wallet? Shame on you. I never lose my wallet. Until this one time. I lost my wallet. And I remember, and some of you guys already know this story, but I lost my wallet one time as I was trying out some suits. And as you can tell, I don't wear suits except for weddings and funerals. And uh, I was trying out these new suits. I didn't have a suit. And I had to do Marcus's wedding. And I said I was going to wear a suit. And uh, I had no suits. And I, what do you do when you have siblings? What good, what else? What, what, what other reason did God give you siblings other than to borrow their clothes? And so I go to my, I go to my, uh, my brother's house. My brother's house. When I say my brother's house, I like to say it's really my mother's house, but he doesn't like to say that. So my mom lives with him. He doesn't live with my mom. And so I go and I try out these suits, but I walk out, I'm driving home, I'm I'm not praising God because I came out with no, I I went in with no suits and I walked out with two suits. Come on somebody, God will give you double for your trouble. I'm walking out with it like yes, and then I pat my left pocket because that's where I always keep my my, my, my wallet and I, I said, oh my goodness, what happened? I'm driving out with a license. So I go home and I go, and I said, maybe I left it at home. I look for it at home, I cannot find it. So I was like, maybe when I got into the car, I must have dropped it outside the perimeter of the car. So I go around the car and I'm looking for it all over. I'm like, man, what is this? You know, I'm strong. So I lift up the car, I'm like, no, I can't find it there. And I go all around, I go through all the grass. Like literally I do the, the search squad, boom. I go looking for that bad boy. Then I drive over to my brother's house again, and in the front porch, I go looking for it. I cannot find it. I go inside the house. I look for it inside the house. I cannot find it. I go back home, and I go do a full search once again. I cannot find my wallet. And then I start looking for it in places that you know it's not there, but you just want to make sure. You know what I'm talking about, right? Like you're, like you're checking out all your shirts and your clothes. You're like, somehow that wallet grew legs, tucked itself in, and went inside a pocket. And so I said, I said, oh my goodness, I cannot find this. I called my mom. I said, mom, I need you right now because I can't find my wallet. And she says, I'll call you back. And the next day, 24 hours, I promise true story, my mom calls me. Hello, Rolando, I found it. I'm like, what? I found it, your wallet. She says, I found your wallet. It was inside one of the suitcases or casings. It must have fell in there when you were trying out the other suits. I didn't try this particular suit that it, the, it, it was found in. And I said to myself, I said, thank God I went and got my wallet, put it in my pocket, and sewed it there, make sure it never got lost again. And here's, what, here's, what, here's my thought on this whole thing, because it hit me. I said, wow, isn't it amazing that I would have spent three years in my front porch looking for my wallet, and I would have never found it. You know why, guys? Because my wallet wasn't in my front porch. Deep revelation. <laughs> And here's the thing, 
See, I was looking for the right thing in the wrong place. See, I think many times in life we are looking for the right things, but many times we are looking for the right things in the wrong place. See, I could have put out a search squad in front of my house. I could have called everybody from the dream team and said, we're going to find the wallet. And as long as we were looking for it in the wrong place, we would have never found it because it was in a particular house, in a particular room, in a particular closet, and inside a closet, inside a particular bag. And here's the truth, that many times in life, we are looking for the wrong thing in the wrong, in the, we're looking for the right thing in the wrong place. But I learned a long time ago that everything that I've been looking for in the wrong place is actually found in the right source, which is Jesus Christ. Amen. And I don't know where you are today on your journey with Jesus, but I want to let you know you might be looking for satisfaction, which is a right thing, but in the wrong place. You might be looking for purpose, a right thing, but in the wrong place. You might be looking for peace, a right thing, but you might be looking for it in the wrong place. But maybe today you're in the right place at the right time searching the right resource on baptism Sunday. Does anybody believe that in this room? There's no doubt that when I look at this woman, she is searching, she is looking, she is seeking. In fact, this particular morning, she's seeking for water. She is thirsty. She wants to provide some type of uh, quench to her thirst and she's searching, but she is searching also not just for water because symbolically we know that she's thirsty not just physically but there is a thirst in her soul and she is looking possibly for the right things in the wrong place and and I know that because the Bible says this the Bible says that five husbands she had now I need you to catch this with me because Many times we kind of go over this and we're like, five husbands, okay, five husbands, okay, okay, what's the good stuff? Oh, living water. No, 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 pause, pause real quick. Five husbands! Five husbands! I want you to catch this because I'm one of the few pastors that has been married more than once. I'm sorry, forgive me, I know. Could you imagine that? Like you were married to somebody else other than Lisa? We don't want you no more. Like, mm -hmm. Now, now, catch this, catch this, catch this, catch this. Five husbands. If you ever have, if you've ever been through a divorce, this hit me. I said, God, one divorce almost killed me. Five divorces. Five different bedrooms. Five different separations, five different beds that she slept on, five different homes that she thought that she would spend her life with, with her family, five different rejections, five different abandonments. Like by the time there's something about a divorce and a separation, when you unite yourself to someone that when you go through a divorce and a separation, there's something about a separation and a, di and a divorce that leaves you so unput together and defragmented and your soul is in pieces because you once shared and intertwined your life with someone else. And now all of a sudden you are defragmented and pulled apart that by the time you exit that relationship, you are no longer the person that once entered into to that relationship and I can't imagine that this woman five times 
went through this cyclical pattern of in a relationship. I'm not gonna, I can just imagine, I could just imagine that the first time she was searching, she maybe she was searching, because maybe the first time she was searching for love. And she's like, yeah, you know, and, and it's not like nowadays you just swipe left and swipe right. Now you like, you had to meet somebody. You had to be like, hey, how you doing? Hey, how are you? How's everything? God bless you. God bless you. I was looking through the scriptures. And I ran into the book of Numbers. And I realized I didn't have yours. Single men don't ever try that. This is supposed to be sarcastic. Don't ever try that. And they had to meet, and I could just imagine the first time they met, and they're into, in, engaging, and, and, they're, and, and then now she's, she proposed to her, and now they're going to get married, and now it's for love. Oh, my God, I love him, and he loves me, and he cherishes me, and I cherish him. And now three, four years go down the line, and everything's going well. Now six years go down the line. Now, now all of a sudden, things are not the way they used to be when they were. Now, now all of a sudden, he's being unfaithful. Now all of a sudden, he's, he's criticizing. Now all of a sudden, he's mistreating me. Now, I don't know what's happening right now, but, but why, why is it that you're walking away? Why, why is it that you're giving me a certificate of divorce why is it that you're leaving me and now you have a woman that was looking looking searching for the right thing love but in the wrong place but by the time she exits that relationship she is no longer looking for love because she has been left defragmented and unput together and now she's all in pieces so when she enters in a new relationship five husbands remember five husbands she's entering a new relationship and when she enters the new relationship she is no longer entering with the intentions that she entered in the first time because now she's a different person so now because she's different she wants different things she no longer wants love because love failed her now she wants she just wants healing and so now she engages with another man and she now just needs healing. And maybe I'm looking for the right thing, but now, now I'm realizing I'm looking for the right thing in the wrong place. But I can't look for love because I don't want love. Love failed me. Now I just simply want healing. And now three years, four or five years go down the line. And now she, she finds herself in the same place because the guy that she thought would bring her healing is now bringing her even more wounds because he now is rejecting her yes, yet again. And she's left yet again another defragmented pulled apart into pieces person and now by the time she gets to her third relationship she doesn't want joy oh uh, she doesn't want peace she doesn't want love she just wants peace that's what she wants I, I, don't, I don't I don't I don't want healing I want peace just uh, just at least I could be peace three four years ago down the line he rejects her because at that in the ancient Jewish culture a woman couldn't divorce a man but a man could divorce a woman. So you know by definition that it's the man who's committing the divorce, who's submitting the divorce. And so here she is and get rejected again. By the time she gets to her fourth husband, she doesn't, she just, I just want a family. Just, okay, let's just do this family thing. But now she realizes she can't give birth. So now what happens, she's into her fifth relationship. And now she's just like, I just need a companion. I just want anybody. And what happens is by the time she gets to husband number five, I want you to catch this because I'm painting this picture real clear to you, that when she started on her journey, by the time she is up to her fifth husband, she doesn't even know who she is anymore. And then she encounters Jesus. And Jesus is everything that she's been looking for, but she can't even tell. She can't even tell anymore because the thing that Jesus could have provided her from the beginning, 
she's changed her desire. She no longer wants love. She no longer wants peace. She no longer wants those things because by the time she gets to Jesus, she's simply living with a man that won't even consider her worthy to give her her last name. It's a living boyfriend. It's just a guy that say, hey, man, we're just going to, you know what I mean, just to not to be lonely, we're just, we're just going to be rocking together. And she's in front of Jesus, and Jesus says, the water that I see, you keep coming to a well. It's kind of like your life. You keep coming to a well. You keep coming to the <laughs> wrong place looking for the right things. He says, but the water that I give you, it will bubble up rivers of living water of life. True life. And I love this because here's what the Bible says. The Bible says that Jesus had to go to Samaria. But if you know anything about Samaria, you know Jesus did not have to go to Samaria. In fact, Jewish culture would circumvent Samaria because they would go the long way not to have to be associated or even have to engage or interact with anybody from Samaria. But the Bible says this little, little, little nuance and Jesus had to go to Samaria. Why, can I tell you? Because Jesus makes his aim what others will choose to avoid. See, Jesus will always make his bullseye the thing that everyone is trying to reject. Jesus is always looking to reach everyone, those that everyone is looking to reject. And I just thank God that he, in his word, says he had to go to Samaria. Why? I, I got to go to Samaria. You know why I got to? But, but Jesus, your ministry is taking off. You, you about to blow up. You got a million followers on Twitter. You got a million followers on Instagram. Like, let's just keep going. Like, why are you going to go to Samaria? You shouldn't go to Samaria. He goes, because there's this one woman who's been defragmented, who is broken, that I need to bless. There's this one woman who's been put on the floor that I need to pick up. There's this one woman that has been rejected one, two, three, four, five, and six times. And I came to restore her and give her complete life is anybody in this place that is grateful that we have a god that is willing to go where others will avoid this is the scene in which we are steeped in where they are in front of a well and jesus now interacts with her and they have this conversation and in the conversation i love it because you know you know that you be fronting sometimes, right? Do we got any fronters in the house? You have a front, like, do we got any fronters in the house? Everybody's fronting right now. Oh, that's right, we don't got fronters, we got liars. And uh, she's fronting. She's putting on a facade. Because what happens is, is that Jesus tells her, I got some living water for you. This is the kind of living water, look at the way he puts it, whoever drinks this water that will, I will give him will never be thirsty. The water that I will give him will become in him a well of life that lasts forever. The woman said, sir, give me this water so that I will never, did you, do you hear that? And he's, he's hearing her words, but he's also hearing her her heart because oh you're thirsty and you keep coming back to the same place the wrong place for the right things and you 
keep searching for the right things in the wrong place. And I'm here to tell you that what I have to give you will stop your search because everything you're looking for is found in me, but you just don't realize it. That's why he tells her, if you knew who was in front of you, I want to let you know sometimes that you don't recognize who's in front of you. Kuhau, sometimes we come before God and we think he's some type of master. We think he's just some type of cosmic being in the universe that has completely disconnected from humanity. But if you only knew who he was, if you only, you want to see who God is, just look no further than Jesus, for he is peace, for he is truth, for he is love, for he is full of integrity. You want to know God's characteristics? Just look at Jesus. If you knew who was in front of you, but you can't recognize who's in front of you because I am everything you've been looking for, but because you are no longer the person that you were intended to be from the beginning, you are now a defragmented person that person that doesn't even know what they want anymore. Wonder you're in front of me and you found what you're looking for, but you can't recognize it. It's no wonder when God answers our prayers and they're right in front of our face, we don't recognize the blessing that they are, and we don't realize that this is what we've been praying for all this time, and we finally got it, but we can't appreciate it. But because by the time we get it, we're now a different person from the person that was originally praying for that prayer that we always wanted. He says, give me this living water. And here's why I think that, oh my goodness, like this is the moment I've been waiting for. I'm going to give you some living water. And I just get a bucket of living water and I'm saying, here we go. Or if you real Pentecostal, spit comes out of your mouth like it's living water. So here you go. You want some of this living water? Like Jesus could have done anything. Like, if you remember the blind man, what, he's do, what does he do? He spits on mud, and he makes mud, and he slaps it in their eye. He could have done so much here, but he says this. He says, oh, you want some of this living water? You want some of this living water? <clears throat> Get me your husband. And I'm like, why, God? Like, why you want, why you want her husband? Because... I could imagine this girl like, oh my God, like this conversation, I thought, I thought we were going, like, like this conversation was okay. I thought I was about to get some living water that you were talking about and now you're calling for, like, like excuse me, you don't, uh, don't you know that I'm in a situationship right now? Uh, don't you know that my Facebook status for relationship, it's, it's complicated. <laughs> like, I, like, why are you asking me for my husband? That's private information. I don't know why you're asking me for my husband. And she answers with the best kind of answer that she can. You're like, you know, you know the truths that are a lie. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Right? You know, like, you tell the truth, but it's not true. But it's not true. He's like, I have no husband, but I'm not going to volunteer any extra information. Yes. I love it. He says, you have, spo- you have spoken the truth. For five husbands you have had, and the one you are with now is not even your husband. Now, many times when we read this passage, here's what we think. We think that Jesus is right there. Yeah! Give it to her, Jesus. That's right. Let her know. Go. Yes, right. Tell her. You're reading this passage totally wrong. You're reading this passage totally wrong. You oftentimes are reading it through your own preconceived notions of what you perceive God to be. But when you actually read this passage in its original language, what Jesus is saying is this. I know you have five husbands. Why is it that you're trying to pretend to be someone you're not? I'm going to ask the worship team to come up real quick. And here's where I want to conclude. Here's what the Bible says. Jesus said to her, go call your husband. The woman said, I have no husband. 
Look what see Jesus says. He says, you told the truth when you said, I have no husband. You have had five husbands. And the one you have now is not your husband. You told the truth. As I meditated on this passage and I studied in this, uh, as, as you read the entire chapter, here's what I want you to catch. I want you to catch this. That he said the father is seeking those that will worship in spirit and in truth. But when she said, I have no husband, he said, you have spoken the truth. See, many times when we say, God is searching those that are worshiping him in spirit and in truth. And we're like, yes, that sounds so spiritual. What does that mean? I don't even know what that means, but it sounds good, man. Like it sounds when you were like, come on, God is calling us to worship in spirit and in truth. In the original language, what you'll find is that what Jesus is saying there, he said, God is looking for those that would be themselves in front of my presence. God is looking, watch this, in spirit. This is why it says he is sheer spirit. God is looking to pour out his spirit on your truth. Because if you, see many times we come to God with our front. We think we have to come to God and know exactly what to say and, and, and know exactly how to articulate it and know every single, and so we come to God and we like, hallelujah, glory to God, pray. What does that mean? I don't know, but I heard Pastor Rose say it on a Sunday and I just felt like I could do it. <laughs> but what if you're more, most sincere, authentic, genuine, genuine worship is this? God, I'm a mess right now. I don't even got a hallelujah in me. I'm broken. I've been betrayed. This is who I am. What if I told you that God was pulling the truth out of this woman so that she can become a worshiper right in front of him? The father, no, no, you know, you don't get it. You don't get it, sweetheart. The father is seeking those that are worship him in spirit and in truth. You have spoken the truth. God is looking to pull yes. the true her out of her. Like, no, like, it's okay. You could tell me that you have no husband. You could tell me that you've been abandoned. Like, I know, and I still love you. I know you messed up, and I still love you. I know you've been betrayed, and I still love you. I know maybe some of that you caused that upon yourself, but I still love you. I know that other people reject you. I know you feel like a second-class citizen. I know you feel like you have no rights. I know you feel like so much has been done to you. I know you feel ugly, battered, and bruised, and disgusted of yourself because you've been in so many bedrooms, but I still love you. That's worship. You coming to God. And I think many times we think that we have to come to God with our prim and proper selves, being able to adequately and and, and be able to articulate every single book of the Bible in historical order and say, God, here I am. And God's saying, that's not who you are. That's who you pretend to be. Stop pretending. I'm seeking those because here's the truth. The Father is seeking those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. Wait, what? All this time while she was searching, she was losing herself. 
But as she was losing herself, the father was seeking her. He says, I know that as you search, you're going to be lost. Because so many times we're looking for the right thing in the wrong place, but in the process, we lose who we truly are. What is it worth to gain the whole world yet lose your soul, your very being, the very intention that God had for you? And so many times we're willing to lose what's most important simply for what we want in the immediate. And God is saying, I'm, the Father is seeking those. See, you were searching this whole time. But this whole time as you were getting lost, God was searching for you. And God says, that's who I want in front of me. We worship, we worship authentically. It means this. That we come to God just as we are. That's why all over this room you'll see people that will worship different. And we don't judge anybody for the way they worship. We have people that worship with flags. We have people that worship jumping around from side to side. We have people that just sit in the corner and they just pray. We have people that maybe just cry. We have people that can't stop dancing. <laughs> doesn't matter because the standard of worship is not anything else other than you coming to God here I am just as I am God here there's been times that my most powerful my most powerful times in worship were me just weeping and saying God I don't know what to do and God said that's exactly what I was looking for that's exactly what I was looking for. I'm looking for worshipers that will worship me. Now, I'm not looking for the best version of yourself. I'm looking for the true version of yourself. I'm not looking for who you pretend to be. I'm looking for who you truly are. I'm looking for worshipers that will worship me just as they are. Look at the way it says it in the message. Those who are simply and honestly themselves before him in their worship. God is sheer being itself. Those who worship him must do it out of their very being, their spirits, their true selves in adoration. When was the last time you came into worship and that you were your true self? Can I tell you one of the most, one of the biggest signs of depression is? Do you know what it is? Constantly having to pretend to be something you're not. And you're constantly fighting this battle of approval and trying to be something that you're not. And that tears the human spirit inside. That's why you're, you can't think sometimes. That's why you forget your thoughts sometimes. That's why you can't be, that's why you're completely out of whack here when you think you can't even, you can't even think because you're constantly, many times we're just, we're just constantly trying to, trying to be something that we're not and we're trying to keep up and trying to, trying to impress and God is saying, I never called you to be that. I never called you to be that. Be who you are in front of me. And you'll see that I will pour my spirit upon you. God said, I'm looking for worshipers that will worship me as them tr their true selves. Without the mask, without the makeup, without being fake, without covering it up, without pretense, without the masquerade, without the costume, without pretending, just coming before God and say, God, whatever this is right now that I don't even know who it is, here it is before you. God says, now you became a true worshiper. Now you became a true worshiper. 
Matthew 16 says, Then Jesus went to work on his disciples. Anyone who intends to come to me has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat. I am. Don't run from suffering. Embrace it. Follow me and I'll show you how. Self-help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way. My way to finding yourself. Your true self. What kind of deal is it to get everything you want but lose yourself? What could you ever trade for your soul? Again, we think this is a conversation about hell. We think that this is saying, oh, what is it worth to gain everything and lose your life in hell? That's not what the text says. It says lose your soul. In the ancient Jewish culture, your soul was your inner being. So when he says lose yourself, he's saying lose who I intended and I created you to be. This is why he tells this woman, I, I want to give you this living water. Because here's what happens when you get part of the living water. In baptism, many times this is our life. And we have enough of his living water just to get by. And you're functioning and you're able to find some success and you're able to work and do your live life, raise your kids, but you're operating on, on God filling you up halfway. And then there, there are some people in our community that maybe you're like, you want, I want the living water. And you're filled to the brim. And this is where you're like, God, you're at the center of my life and the center of my thoughts and the center of my being. And I want to know, I, I want you to be part of how I'm blessed and my career and my success. And I love the way my friend David Bryant says, he says, but what if we flipped it? See, we could have enough Jesus to not be dysfunctional and just live our life. And we can make Jesus the center of our life. Or we could become the center of his. See, if I took this bottle, now this bottle is not only filled with living water, but if I took this bottle and I threw it across the ocean, this bottle would be so submerged that it's not just having Jesus on the inside, but it's completely saturated and submerged. And every single ounce and crevice of who we are is wrapped around who God is. God, I want to be at the center of your life. What does that mean? What is it that you want? How is it that you're blessed? How, what is your purpose? What is your plan? What is your strategy? Who is it that you want me to marry? What job is it that you want to take? Not God be the center of my life. God, I want this job, bless it. God, I want this husband, bless it. God, I want this relationship, bless it. No, God, who is it that you want for me? Who is it that you have? And then this, this is what it looks like. This is what baptism is. You are now reborn into a new creation and you can't even get it because it sinks to the depth of who God is and this is when you become hidden in Christ. God, I want can't nobody hurt me because I am in Christ. Can't nobody offend me because I am in Christ. He says, if I give you this living water, it'll flow from the inside of such a way that it will saturate your life. When you get baptized, you say, God, by the time I got to you, 
I've had five husbands. I've had five failures. I had five letdowns. I don't even know who I am anymore. But baptism does this. It says you are reborn. Because God is saying, that's what I was waiting for. I was waiting for you to accept my death and burial of your life so that you can resurrect, resurrect with the resurrection of my life. And baptism is saying, I am a new creation. Can I show you some people that tasted of this living water? This is my friend, Victor Solano. And Victor said, I want a taste of this living water. I want a taste of this living water. And granted, when we brought him down in those waters, we held him down a little bit longer. <laughs> but when he got up, he got up with victory in life. Can I show you another person? This is Jenny. I had the privilege of baptizing Jenny. And she was a, a Catholic girl. And she was like, I, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to taste this living water. And we baptized her. And she tasted of this living water. And now today, she's the director of our kids' ministry. What God can do with a life. Uh, can I show you another person? This is Reuben. Reuben was an atheist. Reuben said, I don't know God. I don't believe in God. There is no, there's no reason for God. He goes, and when they got to got a hold of him. And today God uses him to minister to me on a regular basis. Someone that didn't know God. Here he is today leading our youth ministry. Not only leading our youth ministry, but this, this young man is a man of God. This is not some cute little kid. This is a man of God that I revere with fear and trembling because of the anointing that God has over his life. And this year we will be ordaining him as a pastor. He tasted of the living water. And we also have... son who's was eight years old and he said daddy I want to get baptized and I don't mean getting wet and I said son I said maybe you're too young I don't know if you should get baptized you might be a little too young and he says dad I want to get baptized I believe in Jesus and I want to follow Jesus why can't I get baptized and I started realizing that I was putting roadblocks for my son to get baptized when my son at his purest form is saying I want to give my life to Jesus and I remember when I remember I wasn't fully sold and I remember that my son we were in the in the, in the beach and he says all right everybody who's gonna get baptized get in the middle and he gets in the middle I'm like oh this guy I'm gonna have to fake baptism or something and I remember my my boy he said dad I want to get baptized please don't stop me and when he got into those waters I didn't talk to him. I baptized everybody else. And Bishop started crying. And I said, Bishop, why are you crying? He goes, I, I, he goes, I don't know, but I think I feel God. And we baptized this young man. And I believe, this, I believe Emmanuel Bishop or Emmanuel is going to be a world changer because he gave his life and he tasted of the living water. Today, he's part of our media team. I don't know where you are today. 
Don't put no roadblocks of you tasting of this living water. Don't put no anything that will impede you from walking into this living water. So if you're here today, I don't know how I'm going to get up back on the stage, but I'm going to try. If you're in this room today, one of the most special things that we get to do as a body that we get to say God take me just as I am and you could be reborn today we hope you enjoyed this podcast our mission here at Christ Uncensored House of Worship is to love God love people and love life Kuhau is a place where our story is still being written together we can do more than we can ever do alone if this message has encouraged you and you wish to partner with us in taking this message all across the world, go to kuhau.com slash give or follow us on any social media platform. Thank you in advance for your support and generosity. Come and begin a whole new journey with us.